scriptures here tonight. We're going to read one verse. It's in the book of Jude. As you know, there's only one chapter. So we're going to Jude 3, the third verse. And we're just going to read this verse. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. So he's saying, when I wanted to write to you about theology, doctrine, our salvation. He says, I, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you for one reason and one reason only. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And for a few moments tonight, I want to speak on the topic of contend for the faith. Pastor, would you pray? Lord, we love you, God, and praise you for your presence here today, for coming, Lord, and being in our midst. We're asking you, Lord, to touch, Lord, your minister today. Let him open his heart to you and minister to us. Let us open our hearts, God, and take your word of God. God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. We thank you for all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? Amen. Before you're seated, look to your neighbor and says, I am a contender. Easy for me to say. We know the old movie quote, I could have been a contender. Right? Say it again. I am a contender. And a well-known speech, an excerpt from a year-long journey overseas, Theodore Roosevelt is accredited with the, the poem and or speech of the man in the arena. And it goes, it is not to the critic who counts, not to the one who points out how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of deeds might have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood who strives violently, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who, if he wins, knows the triumph of high achievement, and who, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat the critic or the 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 uh, the accolades belongs to the one who's in the arena it it belongs to the contender we are all contenders tonight and we are encouraged tonight to be contenders of the faith and i'm going to ask ethan to come and help me out here there's a a few items I left in the office up here, you, you will see them when you go in, I guarantee it. Uh, and if you can get those out for me, and actually, um, we're going to put those on here uh, in just a moment. Did, did you find them in there? Did, did you see them? Just need three, because I, I have a microphone. We got a few items here. Give me a right-hander. Or actually, yeah, no, give me a left. No, give me a right-hander. Let's give me a right-hander. I'm better with my right. All right. There's got to be something I can hold on in here. Nothing. 
These are not real boxing gloves, folks. You got it? No, 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 I don't need all that. We love to hear the scriptures about being a contender. And this moment that we think about it, this is probably what we think about, right? Get your gloves on. Get your battle ready. And start taking the shots at the enemy. Oh, you're really going to hit me, aren't you? Those are dirty. You're going to make me dirty. (laughs) That was a dirty hit. (laughs) But we get these ideas about, oh, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to fight. I'm going to be a contender for the faith. And you're not going to take me down. And I'm going to stand when the battle gets rough. You're not going to talk me down. I'm going to take the punch. I'm going to take the abuse. I'm going to be there no matter what comes my way. I'm going to fight. Amen? Boy, you guys aren't with me at all. When we, when we watched boxing growing up, it was a loud place. Brother White actually used to be a boxer, if you didn't know that. I should put this on him. <laughs> but we love these things, and we, we love getting the, the battle ready. We love putting our gloves on that we're going to debate, and we're going to argue, and we're going to prove what we say is right. Amen? There we go. Here, you can just throw those down there. Give, give, my, give my sparring partner a big hand there. We hear the scriptures and we like to think about the battle that ensues in our debates of the scriptures and how we get in these philosophical and theological arguments between the, the truths and the other doctrines that men of men that have arisen over time and time again. We love this idea of getting ourselves battle ready to defend the faith. Show others the truth. Show others where they're wrong and we're right. Show other words they may not be quite on the right path. We'll debate and we'll argue. We'll get into heated uh, discussions that sometimes end with harsh feelings, hardened hearts, and broken relationships. It would have been very easy for me to start wailing on Ethan, but I don't think he would have liked it very much. If I would have taken a dirty shot or a pot shot when he turned his head, he probably wouldn't have liked it very much, would he? But somehow in this whole process, we feel justified in doing it because we are contending for the faith. We're contending for the faith. We're defending Jesus Christ and His Word. We are defending God against the entire world. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm defending the faith. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm defending God. But the question that I have for you tonight and for us tonight is why do you think God needs our help in battling untruths with other people? The last time I checked... It's we who need his help and not him who needs ours. He's God, not me. He's omnipotent, not me. He can do, he knows all things. Even though sometimes I think I do, I don't. 
Do you really think this omnipotent, omniscient God really, do you really think he can't handle a little disagreement or misunderstanding? Really? The reason why I think that we engage in this activity is not because we are quote-unquote defending the faith or contending for the faith as we say, but it's really because we feel vulnerable and, and, and uh, our self-esteem gets hurt because we feel they're challenging our beliefs rather than God's truths. It's a very fine line right there. You, you, when you go to a battle or you go into an argument and you go into a debate, the, the mentality is that I am going against you. But when you look at what David did, he says, I'm not coming to you, but I am coming to you in the name of the Lord. You're not coming against me. You're coming against the God of Israel. You're not coming against my beliefs, what I think or what I desire. You're not coming against my identity. You're coming against God's truth. But somewhere in our minds, we've gotten that flip around and messed up to where we've identified our self-esteem and everything we are when they come attack us that somehow they're coming at us as individuals rather than God's truth. They're saying you're wrong and we don't like that. But what they're actually doing is they're saying God's truths are wrong and it's not about you at all. We think it's always about us. But it's not. Yet we still internalize it and we get into debates. We get into heated discussions. We get into arguments. We spend far too much time defending and arguing and, 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 and contending and not enough time uh, uh, caught, uh, or, or, uh, and, yeah, and, and contending causing lost time and greater separation from those who were trying to influence, influence and win to Christ. We spend so much time fighting that we don't do any time uniting. See, there's a difference between contending and arguing. There's a difference between contending and having heated discussions or fighting. In our opening scriptures from the book of Jude, we have to understand Jude was written to a specific group of people. It was written to the Jewish Christians. These were Jewish people who had spent their lives uh, following the law of Moses and the, and, and, the, and the books of the Old Testament where sacrifices would happen and, and all, their, or, or all their rituals and all their customs about when they could eat, what they could eat, what they could wear, when they could wear it, all the different things that if you want to go through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all those other books that if you want to read them all, all the laws, all the dietary laws, all the, all the societal laws, everything... This was who they was written to. To where now these are Christians that realize that the Messiah had come and fulfilled the law. And now they are contending for the faith. Following his opening, he begins his letter by saying, I really wanted to write something theological to you, something about doctrine, something about our common salvation. But this Issue came up, and I feel it's more necessary to write to you about this than any other pressing problem that the church might have. There's this issue that we really need to discuss, and it's about contending for the faith. 
is this thing about fighting for what you know is right. We need to contend. The scripture is very clear that we need to contend. We need to fight. We need to be on guard for this faith that we've been given. But if it's not to fight others, then what is it? You see, in the strongest possible terms, he tells them to fight. He tells them to strive, to struggle for the truth as it had been given to them by the apostles who in turn had been taught by Christ himself. He tells them that it is a battle that you must uh, take up and that you must uh, enlist upon. But that word contend comes from a Greek word that is very interesting and picturesque in that in in English it's derived from its root agony. Agony. It literally means to agonize about, to contest, or to contend. It describes the efforts of an athlete to win his particular competition in the midst of the games, whether it's running or, or, or javelin or discus or, or soccer or football or whatever sport you're in. It's that athlete who is truly devoted and focused on winning gives their every ounce of strength to come out on top victorious. It's this agonizing. It's this agony. It's this I'm never going to stop. It's almost an obsession that I need to do what is right for me to come out on top, for me to win. Jude uses this to demonstrate how we should be exerting ourselves and keeping the truth pure and then by practicing it. It suggests this person straining for all their worth to ensure that faith's purity in both its principles and practices, that this struggle is hard and painful, but the truth is that important to God and to their brethren and to the church that it's worth the effort. We can look throughout the scriptures and see many different ways to reinforce or places where where uh, we reinforce Jude's call to contend for the faith. Paul charges Timothy to fight the good fight as a soldier of God to pursue holiness. In First Timothy, chapter six and eleven, it says, "But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith." Love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you, uh, thou art called, and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you charge in the sight of God, who quickens all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate's witness a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight. To the church in Corinth, he says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now that they do do uh, do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my, uh, under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
To the Philippian church, Paul reiterates it whenever, uh, uh, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In Philippians 1 and 27, it says, only let your conversation be as it becomes to the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or I be absent, I may hear the affairs and stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you the salvation uh, and that of God. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here, uh, now here to be in me. In each instant of these, we have fight the good fight. Fight uh, as... Uh, as not as one beating the air, striving together, all synonyms of the same contending with uh, or contending for the faith. But in each innocent, what I don't see is a battle with somebody else. Yes, I read all that for a reason, so I hope you stayed with me. I don't see a place where it says I need to argue. I don't see a place where it says I need to have a heated discussion. I don't see a place where it says I have to damage a relationship with somebody. I don't see a place where I even have to defeat anybody. What I see is that I have to contend, fight, strive, and, uh, with, and with one person and one person only, myself. If you go back through those scriptures that we just read, in Timothy, he says, you keep this commandment. He says, you're fighting the good fight, but you keep this commandment. Who am I, who am I fight? I'm fighting myself. In the, in, 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 in the church of Corinth, he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Who am I fighting with? Right here. My own body. Bringing it under subjection. When he went to the Philippian church, he says, what, what, what should we do? Let your conversation be good as it becometh a, a, a Christian or of the gospel of Christ. Whose conversation? I don't have to worry about anybody else's. I, it's not about you. It's about what I'm doing. The person I'm fighting with is me. It's a fight. It's a contention. It's a battle. But the battle is with the man or the woman in the mirror. It's not with your brother. It's not with your sister. It's not with the neighborhood. It's not with the HOA. It's not with anybody else. It's with you and you alone. The enemy is not the person in another church or with another belief. It's not somebody from a different religion or somebody who's trying to trip you up. Your fight is not with them. Your fight has a defined enemy is a liar he's he's against god in every way his his name is the devil satan that son of perdition who leads people astray when we are called to contend for the faith it is not a call to arms to have an argument with everyone and anyone you're not gonna win because some things are only only realized by revelation arguing only gets you stronger in your point and, and they're stronger in yours but the battle is not with us other people it's with satan 
What does the Bible say in Ephesians? It says, we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Fight everybody, right? So that you may be able to punch somebody in the nose, right? So that you can argue with somebody and tell them where they're wrong, right? It says, no, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. It doesn't say having done all, start kicking and screaming. It doesn't say having done all, start arguing and turning red in the face. It doesn't say having done all, stay in an argument and become a stalwart. What it says is stand. Stand therefore with your, with your, with your breastplate of righteousness. Stand with your loins girded about with truth. All I have to do is take care of this one guy. If I can do that, then I can contend with the contenders. You see, we're not out here fighting against people. At least we shouldn't be. We're told to stand. The armor is for us to stand, not to attack others. See, those people that you're fighting are the very ones that you're trying to win, not defeat. We get in so many different arguments that are just silly. And we hurt feelings. And we break relationships. If nothing worse, they just don't want to talk to you about God anymore. And think about it. That's the one you're trying to win to God. Not a very successful strategy, is it? It's like if I brought Ethan up here. And said, all right, come here, buddy. Let me beat you up so I can show you how much I love you. But I got to beat you up first. Let me tell you all the bad stuff. Let me beat you up. And then I'm going to tell you how much I love you. We would call that an abusive relationship. If that was a marriage, it would be spousal abuse. If it was your kids, it would be child abuse. So in relationships with souls, I guess that would be soul abuse. And the person you're abusing is God's chosen. Jesus came back to seek and to save that which were lost. That was his mission. You know, in, 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 the, in, in the corporate world, you have mission statements and vision statements, and the mission statement is supposed to guide everything else you do. Jesus' mission, when they asked him, what have you come to do? He says, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. And everything that he did after that proved that out. Because when you look at Jesus' life, he didn't come to debate and defeat all who were wrong to prove he was right. He allowed his actions and his testimony to prove the right of the message. Sure, he had discussions. Sure, he had uh, uh, messages that he would preach. But think about when he was going through trial and Pilate looked at him and said, Art thou the Christ? He could have had a theological discussion with him, a heated argument, proving who he was. But what did he say? Thou said it. He didn't come to argue. He didn't come to debate. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We sacrifice souls 
to win an argument. We sacrifice growth for our ego. We sacrifice power for our own pride. It's a great distraction for our true enemy. If the devil can get us fighting each other, then we're not attacking him. What's the old saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Whose work are we really doing if God's people, remember, he died for everyone. Think of the worst despicable person on this planet. Jesus died for them. He loved them. He still loves them. And if we're fighting them, whose side are we on? It's a fight, but it's a fight within the person that wins the contest. It's that athlete who is agonizing in training. It's that athlete who studies plays, the playbook, and the film. It's that athlete who is training in the off-season. It's that professional who's still reading books and running drills. It's, it's that person who's still trying to improve themselves and find every nook and cranny of improvement that they can make within themselves that's going to win the, 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 the battle. Why? Because I'm fighting Myself for the faith, trying to win it, to keep it for myself. I'm, it, it's, it's like a swimmer trying to tread water, keeping my head above water. That's the fight. That's the contention. That's the battle that I'm doing. I'm not a spectator, but I'm a contender. I'm an active participant. I've decided to do this. I've prepared for this. I've trained for this. I've invested my time and resources. I've exerted energy and thought. I'm a contender. I'm stepping into the ring for myself. And I've decided not to just stand by. I'm going to contend for what God has for me. So what exactly is that? See, Jude affirms in in, in the verse that the truth we need for salvation has already been given once and for all. He said in our opening scripture that it's the salvation that was given for everybody. This is a very important distinction because it lays the foundation for what he writes later, that the truth was given and that is that. Jesus came, he lived, and he died as a sacrifice for all of us. That where he is, that we may go also. That he was the blood of the lamb. That our sins can be forgiven. That we have a hope of eternal life. The gospel, the good news of Christ is settled. It was closed uh, by the passing of the apostles, specifically the twelve, that this is the doctrine of Christ. And in verse 4, Jude 4, it says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We could paraphrase this with, again, what are we contending with? With beware of those who say they have a new truth. Refinements or a leaning deeper meanings from an old truth are are fine, but claims of a new truth should raise red flags. I'm contending for my own soul. I need the truth 
to guide me. I need the truth of God to lead me. I don't want new truth because it doesn't exist. Truth is truth and it's everlasting. See, these ones that he's warning us of, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license of immorality. They use it, uh, they deny Jesus Christ as our God. They, they should sound sirens and flash red lights in your mind. The truth, the faith has all been delivered once and for all, and we need to cling for all we are worth to the scriptures and should not listen to those who claim to have a special revelation. The Bible should always be the basis of our belief in anything spiritual. If a teaching does not square with the Bible, it should be rejected immediately. Anything contrary to the faith once delivered should be thrown out as soon as possible. We are contending for our very souls. What am I throwing it out of? I'm throwing it out of my mind. I'm throwing it out of my life. No, I'm not going to argue with them. No, I'm not going to hurt them. No, I'm not going to address it with them. But I'm going to get it out of my mind because I don't want it. I'm contending. I'm fighting. I'm striving. I don't want that unhealthiness in my life. We're contending for the truth of the scripture, not leading to our own understandings or vain traditions. Think about what the Jewish uh, people had to, had to contend with. These people were brought up in Jewish homes with all the customs and all the traditions. Their very calendar was built around the doctrines of the Old Testament. They had to contend not only with their community, but with the centuries of, con- of tradition and customs. Things that seemed okay and right, but be- and because of tradition, had to be retaught. They continued daily within themselves that, Now it's different. The law has been fulfilled. Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. It was Jesus who died on the cross. I don't need the sacrifice in the temple anymore because he paid it all. Think of the struggle they had to do. Think about something that you were brought up learning and knowing and having to do. Let me me try to use one here. How many was told that if you sit too close to the TV... You'd ruin your eyes, right? Yep. Yep. Right? Too much TV would be bad, right? Yeah. Now we live on these things. And trust me, these are a lot worse than that big TV we had. I'm not sure if it had more radiation because those big boxes on the back were huge. Somewhere along the lines, we had to be retaught. How many was told that you can't swim after you eat? Mm-hmm. Yep. How many still tell your kids that? You're going to get a bellyache. Aunt Sue, I got to tell you something. I remember Uncle Bob's, and I remember eating at our picnics, and uh, we were told you got to wait 20, 30 minutes before you get into the pool. And I also remember coming out, and then I have to check with an aunt and uncle. I had one whoopie pie. How long is that? That was four minutes. All right. All right. I'll wait. Honest to God, this is the truth. I'm not lying to you. But there was occasion. I didn't wait. I just jumped in that pool. And you know what? I didn't get sick. 
I didn't get cramps, and I didn't even drown. Christy, I didn't walk on water either, sorry. I didn't walk on water. But it was something that was put into us, and we had to learn. Now, this, what we're talking about, is much more serious than that. Their feasts, their festivals, their laws completely changed. This was what they were contending with. And it wasn't something that they were going to go into the Sanhedrin and start setting up shop and start barking at them and arguing and debating with them. This was a contention that was happening in their homes, in their minds, in their mirrors. I've got to contend for the faith. I've got to remember Jesus died for me. I got to remember that there's this thing called the Holy Ghost that's going to lead and guide me and direct me to all truth and righteousness. I got to remember that I can be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ through water baptism for the remission of sins and that all the things that I did, I don't have to go to a tabernacle or to a temple and kill some animals to have it rolled back a year, but I can go and repent straight to God and I can be baptized and all my sins are gone. I have to contend for this faith. This was what they had to do on a daily basis. This is what they had to agonize about. This is what they had to study. This is what they had to dedicate their lives to. It was a contention. It was a fight. It was a battle to make sure they didn't lose their faith. The second thing that Jude calls out was the rejection of the deity of Jesus Christ. The faith entrusted to God's holy people Uh, for which they must contend, was grounded and founded in Jesus Christ. That He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 16, it says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. They were denying that Jesus was who he said he was. Not only that he was the Messiah, but he was God. In Matthew chapter 1, it said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. In John, we learn that he is the Word, and he is God made flesh. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And dropping down to the 14th verse, it says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The one thing, or the two things that that, uh, Jude wanted us to realize is one, by the truth and sell it not and the second one it's about Jesus Jesus is who he said he was he always is he always will be it is about him he's the one who died he's the one who rose again and he's the one who's coming back to take us back to glory it's all about that we if we're going to contend if we're going to fight if we're going to agonize over details and theology there's something that we can't get uh, uh, that we can't mistake it is the truth of the word of God and who Jesus is hallelujah we can't give that up 
We've got to keep it in our front minds. We've got to agonize over it. We've got to study about it. We need to train. We need to find every crack and nook and cranny that may divert us from that and say, I'm going to make sure that I hold on to the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to make sure that I hold on to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And I'm not going to allow anybody to dissuade me from it. So how do we contend? How is it that we contend this way if it's not fighting with other people? If it's not arguments and heated discussions? If it truly is something that I do within myself? What does the contention look like? What does the fight look like? If it's not me putting on the big boxing clothes and and start bopping people alongside the head, then what is this contention that we're talking about? Fortunately, the book of Jude sets out several disciplines showing us exactly how to contend for the faith. As we near the end of the, of, the, of the book in the chapter of Jude, in verse 20 it says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. We are to keep pressing ourselves to grow spiritually. A big part of spiritual development involves one thing and one thing alone. I shouldn't say alone but because it does involve some other things. But the biggest thing that we can do to grow spiritually is studying the Word of God so that we know it and understand it. When false teachers come, they can't divert you if you already know it. In my line of work, I have to interview quite a few people as we do hiring and and, and different things. And I have to coach others on how to interview. And one of the things that I I was talking with our team the other day about was interviewing is not a time to make yourself feel smart for our team. Because any question you ask, you already know the answer to. So it's not a time to show off. The time of an interview is to let the candidate show off. To let understand what they know versus what I know. If we are studying and we're learning the Word of God, it is the time to understand what we know. Because if I already know the answer, then the questions doesn't matter. If I know what I know what I know, then you can ask whatever you want. I'm going to know the answer. Paul says to Timothy, he says, study to show yourself, what? Approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The inspired word of God has the power to teach, train, rebuke, and correct us in righteousness so that as God's servants, we are wholly equipped for every good work. It's like that athlete who goes back over and agonizes and looks at film. The Pittsburgh Steelers played today. You know they're my team. They lost. Seven, oh, I hope I didn't. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched the game. Sorry. I would hate that if I were sitting in your shoes and you didn't know. All right? But they did lose today, 17-14, and it was a very ugly loss, and they probably should have won, but they probably should have won last week, beside the point. But I guarantee you, there is a group of professional football players that are at home tonight not happy. 
And then there'll be a group of those football players that are going to go into the facilities tomorrow, even though it's their day off, and watch tape over and over and over again. Where did we mess up? What mistake did I make? How can we get better? How can I do something different? What would we do in this place? Every day, they'll be looking at it all the time. What difference do we have if we truly want spiritual growth and development? Are we taking our Bible and say, all right, this is what I did today. This is where I messed up. This is where I did good. What can I do better? How can I learn? Where can I go from here? What more can I give? What more can I understand? What more can God give me? I can study to show myself approved. The second thing he says we can do is again in Jude 20, is that second half of that scripture, if we can jump down to that one, it says praying in the Holy Ghost. So we have to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, studying the word of God, but then also praying in the Holy Ghost. By praying under the direction of the Holy Ghost, we receive help in our human weakness to understand God's truth and not be deceived by false teachers. What does the Holy Ghost do? Lead, guide, direct into all truth and righteousness so that when false teachers come, I can follow the Holy Ghost to where I'm supposed to go and not be distracted by the false teacher. In Romans, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What we're trying to say there, yeah, we talk about praying in the Spirit. There are some times that when we pray in the Spirit, we can get that leading God in direction that just cannot be spoken because we don't even know where we're going, but God does. If you want to contend for your faith tonight, you better be praying in the Spirit. The next verse, Jude 21, it says, we have to keep yourselves in the love of God. Staying in God's love means living by faith and obedience to God. Oh, we don't like that word, obedience. We don't like that word, do we? We don't like obedience. We don't like submission. We don't like following commands. But Jesus told us, if you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. In John 15, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The ultimate expression of our obedience to God is through our, our loving others. Understand that when we submit to God, we show him that we love him. It's the same way when we look at spousal relationships. If you love your spouse, you will submit to them. What does that mean? That doesn't mean they get to boss me around and do whatever, you know, you do what I say. That's not what submission means. That submission means it's not about me. It's about you. I submit to you. I, 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 I take into consideration your thoughts, desires, and what you want to do. And when you submit one to another, that's how you love one another. Because it's not about me. Nowhere do I hear it says, command and defeat one another. It says, love one another. You see, the ultimate expression of obedience is showing love to others. In 1 John 3, it says, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
In 1 Peter, it says, seeing that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren that see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We're supposed to go back to Jude 21 for me. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Love of God by loving others, not fighting others, not beating people up so you can show them how much you love them. And the last thing here, it says, wait with hope. Wait with hope. It says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. To contend for the faith we must keep the fire of hope alive in our hearts. When Jude says to wait expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, he's, he's referring to living every moment of life with the confident expectation that Jesus Christ may return at any moment. I'm contending. I'm fighting. I'm making sure that nothing comes at me. I'm making sure that no matter when that trumpet blows, I'm going to be ready to stand. No matter what happens, what's going on, I'm going to be ready with my answer. I, I, I don't know what's coming on or what's happening, but I know I'm going to be ready. And Titus, it says, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I need to always be thinking, I've got a reward. I've got a, a, a battle to win. And at the end of that race is a crown of glory. At the end of that race is something worth fighting for. At the end of that race is something that we, up here, please, is something that we can strive to achieve. Can we stand tonight? My question to you tonight is are you contending? Are you contending for the faith? Are you fighting the battle? Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you defending the faith? Are you striving with each other to make sure that you make heaven your home? But the real question is, is with whom are you contending? Tonight I know that there's a lot of things that can happen that can cause you upset, get you upset, that can get you angry, that people can disagree. As my pastor once said, you can disagree as long as you don't become disagreeable, which is all fine. But when it comes to matters of doctrine and when it comes to matters of a spiritual nature, it's important to realize who you are and what you're actually fighting against. We're not fighting against people. We're not. Engaging in that argument, all it does is one of you are going to win and one of you are going to lose. And in either case, that person's not coming to the church. Because if you win, they feel bad. You've hurt their identity. You've hurt their beliefs. They have hurt feelings. They think they're right. If you lose, 
then what's the old phrase we always say? Well, then you've lost your witness. And they'll never come anyway. Then you write them off. Remember, Jesus came to seek and to save that which were lost. We're not here to fight with other people. What we're here to do is focus right here on the three most important people in your life. Me, myself, and I. If I'm going to contend, I'm going to contend for my life. God, I can't afford to miss out on heaven. God, I can't afford to lose this. God, I need to hang on to that truth. God, I need to hang on to that revelation of who you are. God, I've got to agonize over it. God, I've got to study. God, I've got to pray in the spirit. God, I've got to keep my mind right. I've got to obey you. God, I've got to love other people. God, I've got to keep my mind on the prize. And if I can't, I'm going to come out on top. I don't know about you tonight, but if I'm in this battle, I'm not in it to lose. I'm in it to win. I wonder tonight if we can find a place around this altar right now. Lift up our hands to God and say, God, I'm a contender. God, I'm not going to just sit this thing out. But God, I'm going to fight for my life. God, I'm going to fight for my soul. It's worth fighting for. I'm not going to allow somebody else to take it. But God, I know, I know that you're going to be with me tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus.